Well, it's hockey season in America. Hockey season in Canada is shut down for the most part. Well, yeah, it's only it's a once a week thing now. Well, they don't want to play games with nobody in the in the arenas. Uh, and we're going to address that. Uh, we got a couple of guys who um, are certainly not shy uh, in terms of their opinions. Uh, Dave Hodge and Steve Simmons will join us, and uh, we'll address a bunch of hockey stuff and maybe something else. Wait and see. That's coming up next. We'll be back after these messages. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. McCown and Shannon back with you. When we get this uh, group together, I'm never really sure what the subject should be because uh, these guys know a little bit about everything and uh, are interested in a little bit of everything, but not too much of anything. Uh, Dave Hodge is with us. Steve Simmons is in Florida, relaxing for the next couple of what months? You're going to be down there? Nice for you. Haji, how can you, are you going away anywhere? Uh, no, never do. Um, never did uh, and presumably never will. <laughs> You're an exciting guy to be around, Dave. It's, you know, uh, I, I love Canada so much, I, I never leave in the winter. Well, that takes care of that topic. We'll move on to another one. <laughs> no, well, Cooking. In, the, in the winter, I used to leave to, you know, get on a plane with Shannon and, uh, and go places and, and do hockey telecasts, but yeah, I don't, I don't do that anymore. And, um, uh, that, you know, that was, a, that was some, some of those trips were winter holidays, weren't they, John? Um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure I would ever describe them as holidays, Dave, but they were entertaining and they were fun. How's that? Good, but we're, we're not doing that anymore. And a lot no. of people aren't doing that anymore uh, because hockey telecasts these days are, are quite different than, than we remember. You know what, yeah, speaking of, of, of hockey games in, in the middle of winter, in the middle of the NHL season, somebody asked me uh, the other day um, when the NHL would reach the midpoint this season and at uh, what stage was the midpoint supposed to be this season. <laughs> and you might be interested to know, if you don't, that the Leafs tonight will be playing their 42nd game of this season if the schedule was as written. Instead, they're playing their 34th game of the season. So the disparity between midseason uh, as we know it and as we should have known it is eight games for the Leafs and greater for other teams. And the story of the season is the schedule, is it not? Well, and what are they going to do during the Olympic break? And how many games are they going to get in, if any? And um, are they going to stop canceling games simply because nobody is allowed in the arenas? You know, I, I don't think, do we know where this thing is going, Simmons, to you? I mean, I don't know when the season's going to end or how they're going to figure it out. I don't think there's any way of knowing. Because, you know, as we found out over the past two years is that this thing seems to change every day and every month and every week. And so when you think you have it under control, um, you don't. And I, I think the Canadian football league season is one of the great miracles 
of mm. pro sports in the last couple of years. They got in their shortened season. Uh, they did. I think they had one game canceled or, or postponed and, and rescheduled, and that was it for the entire season. And there's not a day now where the NHL isn't. I, I mean, I I could keep track of all. I can't keep track of all the press releases I get on this game being rescheduled or this game being canceled. I don't think, and I, in talking to Bill Daly, I get the same answers at the NHL. They don't know. They thought there was going to be an Olympics. They thought there was going to be an Olympic break. Now they realize they're going to need that time and then some to get in the season. And, and it's not just the schedule that's really become prominent, Dave. It's, it's who's available to play. I mean, mm -hmm. this, is you know, this is almost like that Monty Python skit of years gone by where, where the guy gets his arm chopped off and his leg chopped off and he keeps fighting and then, you know, come on, keep going. And that's what this NHL and NBA seasons have become. They're all about who's going to be left standing at the end to be able to play in the playoffs and be healthy enough and, and, and be strong enough. Well, John, what are the options, John, for, for the NHL? Well, I, first of all, I think the number is 103 games and counting right now that have been postponed. So they have 17 days at the Olympic break to try to make that up. But I just don't think uh, that's almost you, impossible. You, could, you can do all those games there. So what you need to do, you, I think we're now talking about a regular season that ends first or second week in May. Uh, one of the one of the bigger issues is the disparity of the the teams uh, and their postponed games. We had Doug Armstrong on last week, and he told us uh, that he they have three games to make up uh, at this point for postponements. Uh, but there are Canadian teams that have, have 12, 11 games, and so that's going to be uh, in many ways a, a huge issue. And to Steve's point about quality of play. This is the first time in the history of the National Hockey League, and we're only at the midpoint, depending on what team. Um, we have a thousand players. We've had a thousand different players play NHL games this year, which is a phenomenal number when you consider it's usually around 870 or 880 players that play in a regular 82 game schedule. Well, if uh, I, I guess the question for uh, you know the amateur commissioners that, that we all are at, at some point is, do you just put your head down and and play a full season as long as it takes and award the Stanley Cup on you know July the twenty eighth, or at some stage do you say um, we're going to call the end of the season at the sixty five game mark and go by winning percentage and declare uh, 16 playoff teams and, and start the playoffs as we, as we normally would on a date that, that makes sense. Um, I would think all of these options have to be considered, especially because, as Steve says, they are dealing with the unknown. So you got to have some moving parts in your, in your head to say, we might do this, we might do that, but we have to consider everything. And at this point, there's not one thing that can be their plan, I don't think. But, well, but, but when, you, when you look at, however, when you look at that, Dave, I, I, um, you, I mean, I, I watch lots of hockey, uh, the understatement of the week. Um, and if, if, I'm, if I'm a fan of the Dallas Stars or the St. Louis Blues or the Vegas Golden Knights, 
and I go to home games, I don't know that there's a problem. I don't know that there's an issue. Um, and, and so, you know, this is a very, very Canadian centric discussion um, in trying to figure out what the options are. I don't, I don't think there's any question in anyone's mind that they're going to try to do an 82 game schedule. Uh, and they're going to try to squeak out every bit of revenue, uh, whether it be for TV or tickets or for corporate partners. Uh, and then if they need to bump the end of the season back, so be it. That's life. And, and that's what's going to happen. We all know Gary Bettman well enough to know that he is among the most stubborn people on earth. And when he believes in something and he wants it to go a certain way, most of the time, even with all of the problems that you can put in his way, he gets it done. And, and we looked last night and there was the national football championship was played in the United States with 70,000 people in Indianapolis at the game. And every single time they panned to the crowd, I saw virtually no one with a mask on, the odd person. So the, the COVID we're seeing in Canada and the COVID we're seeing in the United States may be the same in terms of science and, and numbers and all of that, but it isn't the same in terms of reaction, in terms of a, a government reaction. And so I think knowing Bettman and knowing what's going on in the United States right now, they're going for the 82 game season. Mm -hmm. they're, they're going to push this thing to the end and they almost have to because they went the year without taking in gate. And you know that's a lot for, not so much for the corporate type owners like MLSE, but that's a lot for the individuals who, who, who can't afford to not have crowds and can't afford to have stadiums empty or, or arenas empty. And I really believe they're going to go the 82, you know, you know, no matter what the circumstances are. And, you know, if the play, if we're giving out the Stanley Cup on July 21st, so be it. Well, look, John, we're not. Uh, go go ahead, Bob. Well, we're not sympathetic to billionaire owners of um, multi, well, billion dollar teams. But the National Hockey League at some point, you would presume, would have to order the Canadian teams to stop canceling games because mm -hmm. these games are essentially being canceled only because they can't put people in the seats only because of revenue. It has nothing to do with COVID. No. COVID is a completely different animal altogether. And I'm not here to offer an opinion on it other than to say there has got to come a point where the NHL orders these games to be played. David, you had something to say. No, no, they, they, well, um, <laughs> They're they're uh, acceding to a request by the Canadian teams to uh, please let us play these later, so we can perhaps have people in the seats and uh, and bring in some revenue. The NHL could say, and at some point I think you're right has to say that's enough of that because that's creating a, a larger problem for us with with the schedule. Um, there are games that we have to postpone because teams don't have enough players these are not games we have to postpone for any other reason than the canadian teams would like to play them later to, to make money but as i say that that sort of policy does add to the other problem i had a this is a bit off topic but steve mentioned masks and john you may have the answer to this and it's a serious question um to which I have no answer. And that is, 
does the National Hockey League have a policy with respect to the coaches wearing masks? Or did it have a policy once and no longer uh, follows it? Do you know? Uh, there, everybody used to have to wear an N95, uh, which yep. was the, uh, the official mask, but then they allowed it to change in jurisdiction. So if, there, if it wasn't required, it, obviously it's required in all seven Canadian cities, but it's not necessarily required in jurisdictions in the United States that they deal with in public health. The state of New York, I think it's required, but I think it goes city by city, honestly. Well, I, to, I mean, to, to look at games uh, uh, on TV and to uh, imagine what the NHL policy is, which you've now uh, uh, described, makes the NHL look really silly in, in my mind. On one bench, you got every coach wearing a mask. On the other bench, you have no coaches wearing mm -hmm. a mask. And why would the NHL um, allow itself to, to, to look as though we don't care, they can do anything they want. Uh, Dominic Ducharme, the Montreal coach, was um, while in uh, Montreal wearing a mask, and then two nights later in a U.S. city was not wearing a mask. Right. Right. Uh, and at, at least you know when the NHL said, "Hey, all coaches wear masks." At least you could say, well, the NHL is responsible and it at least wants to look right. Now it looks, it looks like they don't care. And I guess they don't. And it, it's, let somebody else, let somebody else decide. It's no different in the NBA or the NFL. When you look, look, look when they show the coaches up in the box in the NFL, the, the whoever's up there, the seven or eight guys that are up there on the headsets, two have masks, six don't. It change, and then they'll go to the next picture and six will have masks and two don't and and three of them aren't wearing them properly anyhow um some people have, have just not figured out that you have to cover your nose as well and, and we see that way too often in, in in our everyday lives let alone in sporting lives but you know it, there are so many little peculiarities um the leafs had that documentary made last season um by was it amazon john yeah it was on Am amazon prime yeah yeah so amazon prime made a documentary of the leafs and the leafs had the ability to cut stuff out of it now they they basically cut two different kinds of things out they cut anything that they thought was controversial and they cut anything that looked like it was a covid restriction and so if players were in a hotel room playing cards without masks that got cut and there was a lot of shots of and that's just one team. We're talking, you know, 32 teams, who knows how many times and how many days. And that's why when, when the COVID, when it hits a team, it goes right through the team. And that's, we saw it with the Leafs recently. We saw it with the Marlies recently. You know, we've seen it with the Edmonton owners right now. It, you know, it's, it, it happens and it happens quick. And All right. So I you're asked, sitting, I, in, let me ask I, a question. I, you're sitting in Florida right now. When you go out, when you and your wife go out, you put a mask on. Yes. And, and, and you probably can go out to dinner and not see a single other person wearing a mask. Well, we've actually been surprised by what we've seen so far. Um, we're eating mostly just at outside patios and that kind of thing. 
And yeah. I would say that it's a reasonably high person. I was expecting a very low percentage of people uh, wearing masks. And for example, the grocery store that we shop at, I would say it's about 75% of, of mm -hmm. people mask. And I was expecting, you know, sort of the opposite of that. Well, but the NHL has this problem where every night, uh, three, four, five, however many games are postponed. And we've discussed its ongoing problem with, uh, with the schedule and how, and how to meet it. Uh, and John, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm sure that uh, local jurisdictions are determining whether masks are worn. I see Rod Brendamore wearing a mask uh, at the Carolina games and a lot of uh, fans in the stands. This may be surprising in, <laughs> in North Carolina that, uh, that they are, but they are. And so are the Hurricanes coaches. Um, but, uh, you know, USA-wide, the president mm -hmm. and Dr. Fauci, they're still preaching, you know, wear a mask. And um, the, the NHL is addressing its problem one way and appearing to ignore it in another. And I just, I think somebody ought to tap somebody on the shoulder at the NHL and say, look, why don't we put these masks back on the coaches and at least it looks as though we're trying to address a huge problem we have, a problem that affects, you know, fans all over the league who we have tickets for this game and, oh, it's not being played. Or we have tickets for this game and we're not allowed to go. Uh, you know, they're really being... Uh, <laughs> Their patience is being tested. The fan, everybody's is obviously. But I actually, I actually liked the proposal that the Winnipeg Jets seemed to be floating, and that the Saskatoon one. Yeah, they absolutely got shot down in Winnipeg. But if you're going to play mm -hmm. in Winnipeg with no fans, or you could go to Saskatoon and play with a full stadium, why wouldn't? And you can watch the game on TV. Why would fans care where the game is when the team's taking in some money and getting in some revenue? I, I oh, thought that was a, okay. I go, Bob. Was good, I thought that was a good move. <laughs> I'm not. <coughs> excuse me. I, I'm so stunned by that comment by Simmons. I don't even know how to respond to it. <laughs> no, come on, come on. You ripped me for it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I. It's very difficult for me, and I would would have hoped for you three numbskulls to have sympathy for the billionaires that own these teams, and that it's all about money. You know, okay, you don't, if it's all about money, don't play the, the bleeping season. Let you know, me, pack it up and go home. It's not sympathy for the owners, Bob. In this case, actually sympathy for the players because the more money that comes in, in terms of gate revenue, the more money will go into HRR and the more money that will go into... I'm not sympathetic. I'm not more sympathetic, Simmons, to the millionaires than I am to the billionaires. You know what I mean? They all make a crap load of money. So... You know, follow the rules or set new rules or quit. Just end the season. Well, I've used this line before. The NHL has canceled seasons for, um, you know, worse reasons. Well, purely economic reasons. The NFL but plays. Here's, the, Steve, here's the problem with the, with, with, the, with the Jets idea. I think a potential problem. They could get to Saskatoon and find the parking lot full of players from the Canucks, Flames, Oilers, Leafs, Canadians, and Senators. 
You know, the, the place to play in Canada is Saskatoon. So let's everybody go there. <laughs> That's right. Have a, have, have a game, have a game at night in Saskatoon. The NFL does a game or four games or so a year in London because partly the Jacksonville Jaguars can't sell tickets, but, but that nobody complains necessarily that that's bad for the league or bad for the team that is going. It's just part of what the schedule is. That's because that's because the NFL is better on television than it is live, Steve. You know that as well as I do. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's it's not really a it's not really a gate driven league anymore. It's the worst live sport there is. And you know who else would show up in Saskatoon? The St. Louis Blues. <laughs> no, 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 Dave. Come on. Now you're dating yourself. <laughs> no, I, that I really be. am. I really am dating myself, but. You know, they've waited a long time for, for an NHL team. And in this fantasy world of mine, they could have eight of them. If, 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 that, if, if that, that policy is blessed, oh, let's all go to Saskatoon and play. We could, we, we could end up with the Saskatoon bubble. Uh, well, it's not big <laughs> enough for a bubble. Uh, we, we, I guess we could spend the entire show talking about the COVID stuff and uh, related items, but uh, let's move on to a couple of other things. Before we do that, we'll take a quick break. Dave Hodge, Steve Simmons are with us. We'll come back after these messages. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. McCowan and Shannon, Hodge and Simmons. Uh, okay, here's some more good news. Uh, the uh, Arizona Coyotes, uh, who can't win a game or sell a ticket, would like to move uh, down the highway to uh, Tempe and have some plan to spend what John 1.7 billion or something on a, on an yeah, at arena. least that yeah arena and uh, and uh, and well surrounding a, stuff a, a surrounding stuff more condos and everything like that yeah yeah and uh, at this point the story is that the the board in Tempe or the city council if you will who will have to vote on this are kind of split there's no definitive way of knowing which way this thing will go. The thing about this, I could care less about the Arizona, uh, Arizona Coyotes. The thing that continues to baffle me is Bettman's apparent desire to not see a team move. This franchise has been a dog with fleas since the day it landed in Arizona and, and is no better off today has no better prospects in Tempe than they did in Glendale or they have in Phoenix or any place else in the state. And there are other places that could take the franchise. And yet, for some reason, ownership and certainly Bettman are insistent that this team will remain in the state of Arizona. Please, somebody explain to me the logic in that assumption. Well, I said earlier that Bettman is the most stubborn man on earth, and there's no greater example of that than his support historically of the Arizona NHL franchise. Um, I think all of us at one time in our lives have bought a stock that, you, that somebody told you was a great buy. 
and you held on to it and you held on to it and you watched it drop and you watched it drop a little more and you watched it drop a little more. And then one day you look down and you say, Jesus, that thing's not worth anything. Well, um, is that Steve Nortel Simmons? Is that who's talking? Is that I, I, could, I could run through several examples. But... <laughs> I, got, I got lots of Nortel stock on the bathroom walls up here. <laughs> what I'm saying is that's what the Arizona Coyotes are. You know, they, it doesn't, the story doesn't change. It just changes. The owners change and sometimes the players change and the GMs change. But this is a place where you can't sell hockey. You never will be able to sell hockey. It doesn't matter how the building works or who owns the building or where they're playing. Agreed. It doesn't matter. They should be in Houston. That's where this team should be. If the logical place for them, um, I mean, the logical place is Quebec city, but Quebec city doesn't make sense economically, but Houston does as the, what is it, top five cities in North America in terms of yeah. size and TV market and everything else. But, uh, you know, this is one of, this is going to go down as Gary Bettman's worst of all, I mean, he canceled seasons. He did that kind of thing. Franchise-wise, this is his worst, um, I'm not even going to call it a gamble because it's not really a gamble, just worst determination time over time. Well, what puzzles, what puzzles you is, and, and John, you know this very well, that uh, apart from the arena problems and the attendance problems and, and the performance on the ice problems, the Coyotes have been a pain in the NHL's ass. Yeah. You know, they've had to suspend yeah. this guy and take draft choices away for this. I mean, they don't even follow the rules. And um, it, it's, a, it's a franchise that say one good thing about the Arizona Coyotes, the answer is Shane Doan. Mm -hmm. give, give me another one. I don't no, know. I, you, Shane, Do Shane Doan has, is the only bright light that has ever existed consistently uh, with this franchise, uh, you, you know, that I, I'm going to be on the outside on this one. The one thing I would tell you is um, that I, I, I think it's still a viable franchise market. Uh, based on what? Based, based on when they do win, which is, you know, once ever it's like Haley's comment um, is that they, they do draw. They do draw people when they win. The problem is the product on the ice since they moved in 1996 has been abhorrent. It has been a terrible market. Whoever has managed the teams there has not had the, uh, the consistency or the, the quality judgment or, or the subjectivity to make it work. And that's the big issue. It's, it, it is a top 10 television market. It has great sports fans. There's tons of Canadians that go there. It is a perfect hockey market if the team would perform. And well, the team has never uh, performed. But never what, performed. What, John, what they, what they need now is an arena. Which, which is really uh, hard to imagine because we've, I think, uh, well, I've, I've been to Glendale lots. It's a great arena. And what they've done is they've created such a terrible relationship between ownership and the city. And the city has been on the hook and this goes to, to, to McCowan's point a bit, uh, the city's been on the hook and, and got taken for a, a, a really bad drive by the guy who tried to invent Westgate and that you whole know, mall out there. But you've just hit on it, John, really bad drive. Um, yeah. if, you, <laughs> Although, if you live in Scottsdale or Phoenix or wherever, and it's six o'clock and you're about to drive to Glendale for a seven o'clock, you don't want to make that drive. And That's right. I'm sitting here in Florida right now. I'm 20 minutes from where the Florida Panthers play in the middle of 
frigging nowhere. And you, it's nowhere near Miami. It's not really close to Fort Lauderdale. Uh, it's a pain in the butt to get to the place. Um, that is one of a lot of reasons why in these two Sunbelt markets, one with a good team, one with a terrible team, they don't sell any tickets and they don't draw any fans. Um, a friend of mine um, interviewed two years ago for the general manager job in, in Arizona. And in his meeting with the owner, he said, we have to start from rock bottom here. We have mm -hmm. to rebuild the entire thing from rock bottom. That's, that's, the that's, not, a, that's not a problem. Well, the funny it's thing is- a long is, trip anyway. The owner cut him off mid-sentence and said, we're not rebuilding here. We're, we're going to be competitive. And this is, and where are they now? They're exactly where the owner said they weren't going to ever be, which is why, you know, owners are a, a significant part of the historical problem in Arizona, other than the fact that the arena is in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, and, and, you know, unlike Ottawa, where people will make that crazy drive, you know, in, mm. in many, in marginal American cities, they will not. Maybe they should, uh, you know, if Montreal is going to have half a baseball team, maybe Arizona could play half its games in Quebec City. Or, uh, well, it, hey, or listen, Saskatoon. Well, wasn't it the, uh, what, wasn't it the, uh, was it called the Ice Age guys? Their idea was to play 50% in Glendale and 50% in Saskatoon. That was the whole concept was that uh, to try to move to a market to ge generate enough revenue and then take advantage of, uh, of the snowbirds. But, uh, you know, I, I just I just think that if if a, if a guy who was a, if it was a quality general manager, had a quality coach uh, and was consistent and ownership didn't change every four years, this franchise would be OK. It really would be. And, and somebody has well, the, somebody have the patience and money. You don't care about billionaires, Bob. So don't worry. They don't care. About well, I don't know. I don't. Tag days for them. I can tell you that right now. The thing that's astounding to me is four guys sitting here are of a certain age. We all remember Richfield, Ohio. You know, um, the Cleveland, what were they? Barons? Yeah. 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 Played in Richfield, Ohio and couldn't draw. And we all came to the same conclusion immediately. And this was what? 40 years ago, 30 years ago. Well, it's too far out. It's too far away from Cleveland. If they had a downtown arena, they'd do better. Why did they build the arena in the middle of nowhere? And here we are in 2022, and they're still building arenas in the middle of nowhere that people won't go to and then scratch their heads and say, well, I wonder why nobody's coming. Where did the Washington Capitals used to play? Landover? Landover, Maryland. Yeah. Landover, Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. Middle of, again, nowhere. You know, you could barely find a hotel in, in that area. Um, now they're now they're right downtown um, in, in Washington, and it's yeah. hugely successful. Probably one of the five or six most successful NHL franchises. I have one memory uh, of doing a game in Cleveland, John, and and Bob, Cleveland or Richfield, and Steve. Well, yeah, yeah, Richfield. Richfield. Um, intermission interview with Jim McKenney. In the Zamboni entrance, and as our interview was uh, wrapping up, so was the Zamboni, and the Zamboni didn't give a damn that there was a television host and a member of the Maple Leafs basically standing in its way, and the Zamboni left the ice, and at the last minute, I had to realize that it was going to hit me, 
and and I moved away, but basically it it nudged the the, the edge of my shoulder, and we had a laugh uh, when it happened, and then a greater laugh when McKenney turned to me and he said, "You know that's a better check than I've delivered all season." <laughs> <laughs> And I'll, never, I'll, never forget, I, I'll never forget that. There's nothing else to remember about those games in Cleveland. Well, I, I, did, I did one game in Cleveland, yes. Uh, uh, there were 2,300 people there. There you go. 2,300 people. I thought, we, we, at one point, I think we started to count them. That's how bad it was. And it was a, it was a cavernous cavernous place it seemed it used to see twenty thousand people so it here's was, an here, i'll give you i'll give you a small crowd story wha broadcast telecast in cherry hill new jersey okay yeah uh and i think was global doing those yes games? they were yeah mike, yeah mike, mike anscombe, anscombe bill, mike anscombe bill bird yeah carl ken, brewer well ken dryden was was the oh. color commentator this night and um, Mike, I guess, or the play-by-play -play guy said something like, man, there's uh, only 1,600 people here, uh, but boy, are they loud. And Ken Dryden <laughs> delivered a great line, said, yep, sounds like 1,700. <laughs> <laughs> before, before Bill Torrey became the New York Islanders GM and had all that great success with four-time champions. Uh, he was with the California Seals. And, you know, his famous line is when they phone up and say, you know, what time is the game? And, what and time can you get here? What time can you be here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So Arizona, the Arizona Coyotes may go to Tempe. They may not. Um, we can't do anything about it. Here's another thing we can't do anything about. Evander Kane is on the market. Oh. We all, well, I don't know about we, John and I certainly opined during his um, suspension and then the few games beyond that it is unlikely anybody would be interested in him, in him and that he probably won't get another gig, at least not immediately. Well, stories are stories, and we all know that there are people in the media who lie, but there's an allegation that 15 teams have expressed some sort of interest in him. Maybe it's 15, maybe it's one. It, do, is anybody really interested? Is anybody going to take that chance? Should anybody take that chance? David, to you first. Well, we know he can skate and shoot and score and uh, there are probably 31 teams, uh, including obviously the uh, um, the San Jose team that uh, would say never. But then there's a the 32nd team that would say, why not? I don't know what that team would be and why it would say why not. But I think um, I think he'll play again. And there'll be huge controversy in, in the fact that he's signed. And he'll either prove that team to be, uh, be stupid or he'll score a pile of goals and everybody will say, gee, I guess he could be rehabilitated. And I guess it was a wise move to put a guy that talented into a lineup that needs somebody to score. Um, but no, I, I, don't, I don't think he's finished 
at all. You, know, you look at Antonio Brown in the NFL, and it's really a, a similar kind of circumstance. He can't skate, though. But um, no, <laughs> um, but it's a question of does talent supersede risk, and and at what point does that factor into what you're looking at? And I think uh, I would say under most NHL seasons and most tight salary cap seasons that there would be no chance that Kane would play again this year. And, and maybe not in the future, considering what people think of him. Um, but this is a year where the rules have been bent a little bit. And say you're a team that, you know, you've had, as Dave says, you've had trouble scoring. You can bring him in, put him on your um, taxi squad, so to speak, sign him for next to nothing, um, and, and, and maybe not use him at all, but have him there, say come playoff time, someone gets COVID or someone on your power play isn't able to play, then you have the ability to plug him in. Um, it's, it's a gamble. It's not, it's not necessarily a smart gamble, but it's, it's something. And I, I know the way GMs think, and this takes me a little bit back to Bob Probert, who happened to be a terrific guy with troubles. Um, I, I'm not sure that Kane is a terrific guy with troubles. He's just a guy with troubles. Um, but every single time Bob Probert got into trouble, the Red Wings brought him back and got rid of all the other people who weren't of his talent level. And, and, and I think this is the one thing that talent allows you is that second yes. opportunity or the third opportunity. There's no questioning his talent. There's no questioning his skill level. Um, but as when players last year we're going into Doug Wilson's office in San Jose and saying, we got to get rid of this guy before any of this stuff even became public. Then, mm -hmm. you know, you got to think it's, it's probably worse than that now. I don't want to, I, I don't want to compare the player I'm about to uh, mention with Evander Kane in any other way, apart from the fact that when he went from one team to another, everybody said, why would his new team want to do what it's doing? And now look at where Nazem Kadri is in the NHL scoring race. Uh, who, who would have said that that was a wise move? Anthony Duclair was bouncing around as a guy who, you know, had talent, but teams just said, it's not working, it's not working, it's not working. And look at him in Florida now. Mm -hmm. There's a, you know, there's always a chance that a new place is going to bring out the best in a player, whether it's he's going to play better, he's going to behave better, he's going to live better, and there will be one team in the NHL that believes that that can be the case with Evander Kane. I just I, try to pick the team. I mean, I, I have no idea. Well, if the team was Arizona or Buffalo, if the team was Arizona or Buffalo, you know, I'd, I'd say, well, go ahead, but it won't be. We're, we're going to wind up, it's going to be a team that thinks it can make the playoffs or do something in the playoffs who needs that extra punch. It's, and, and they're going to, and that's the risk, I think, David, is if you put them in Arizona, what's the risk? No, they're they, a coming they team going nowhere. But the they, have no, between, they have no interest. The difference, well, I get it, but. The, the difference ahead, between Steve. a Kane and a Kadri, for example, is as Kadri was having problems with his suspensions, Inside that dressing room, he was a very well-liked and very appreciated member of that team. He was a very popular guy on that team. 
in terms of Evander Kane, you're talking about a guy who wasn't, who hasn't been liked and hasn't been popular. And, and I can see, I can see a Brian Burke, for example, in Pittsburgh, you know, they're a marginal playoff team looking at it and saying, if I had one more piece, you know, maybe that puts us into a stronger position. You know, I, I can see him being that kind of guy that, that would be, would take the kind of gamble it requires but again it's less of a gamble when you have the option of the taxi squad and some mm. flexibility cap wise when you probably don't have to pay him much anyhow uh under the circumstance Actually, uh, Steve, I, I did uh, your uh, your 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 comment about brian burke just uh, to me there's one place that uh and i uh, you know darn well he would have thought about it the one place that one person in this league would say okay listen we're going to take the chance, but here are the rules he's going to live by. And here's what's going to happen. Lou. And that's a guy that needs goal scoring. And that's Lou Lamorello. And you wonder if, and Lou's always, Lou's, Lou's a, a, even though it doesn't sound like it, he's a, always been a risk taker. And you wonder if a guy like Kane, now I'm not, a, I'm not an advocate for Kane at all. I wouldn't have him near my team. Uh, I, I, for, for, the, for the, the chemistry reasons alone with his teammates. Um, but if, if somebody like Lou Lamorello could say, listen, we have certain rules here. Can he live by them? And will he live by them? And if he doesn't live by them, we're going to put him on a two way anyway. And he's only going to make 75 G's to play for us. If we send him to the American league or to the taxi squad, then that might be a place for him. Steve, you did what I didn't want to do myself. And I, I know, I hope you, you weren't doing it. I did preface my comments that I'm not comparing Evander Kane yeah. and Nazem Kadri in any other way other than to suggest that players go from one team to the other and everybody scratches their head and wonders why the new team has interest or would make that trade or would sign that player. And there are all sorts of examples where it works. Um, and, and I mean, Kadri's a, he's one of the better stories of, of the year. Sure he is. Sure he is. Uh, oh, yeah. Here's a team that everybody wants to talk about McKinnon and McCarr and this and that and the other thing. And the guy that's that's leading them uh, two more points last night, I believe. Um, he's been terrific. And I know it's, you know, in Toronto, people aren't saying, gee, you know, we should have him back. Nobody, nobody doubted that the move was was good for the Leafs, Nazem, and I guess most people hoped it would be good for Nazem Kadri, and it, and it has been. But uh, where Evander Kane is concerned. Um, there will be a place that will hope that they can create the same kind of story for him. I don't, I don't think it would be the Islanders, but um, the, the, does Lou, is it, what headache has he, has he invited in that, that worked? I, I think he shuns headaches, doesn't he? Well, except, except I would tell you that I think Nazem Kadri played his best hockey in Toronto when Lou was there. I, I really do. Kovalchuk was a gamble of sorts. Um, Mogilny was a gamble of sorts in New Jersey. Doug Gilmore was a gamble of sorts in New Jersey. He's I, always willing to try something, man. He's, yeah, he uh. does interesting things. Yes. That's, so all we got be, That's all I'm saying. This would be more than interesting. It would be controversial. You know, like the league is going to stop and say, wait a minute. Uh, Evander Kane is back and look who's got him and uh, God bless them for uh, for trying but nobody's going to bet on Evander Kane other than the team that signs him. 
This is the one time if I'm a manager of a team, I would walk into my room and 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 say, we're, we're going to give if you guys are interested in having Evander Kane here, you 22 guys, then we'll think about it. But you guys have to vote on it. You guys have to have the final say if we make the difference, because it's going to be on the players to make the decision on whether a cane fits in or not and vice versa. So what if somebody went to Alexander Ovechkin and said, you want Evander Kane in this dressing room? What would he say? Because I think that's a team that, um, you know, all other factors uh, aside could really use Evander Kane. Based on their performance last night, everybody would have to well, agree. No, yeah. you know, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's a team that, uh, that, well, because they lose all the time and, overtime and shootouts get all these points and sit at the top of the standings another topic entirely but it's a team that relies too much on Ovechkin to score and it's a team that you look at it and you say they need something else and they need some kind of flash and dash that that they don't have otherwise um I don't know but he he cast the vote right if it's what you're saying John if you're giving the vote to the players you got to give them time to get on the phone and, and talk to Logan Kutcher yeah. or talk to Mark Edward Vlasic or talk to... We got nothing but time, Steve. You know, because because I don't think if, if you made phone calls right now to the people on, on the San Jose Sharks who played with Evander Kane, would you want him on your team? Yes or no? That's the only question. That's I right. would say an overwhelming answer would be no. No. Like, I don't know very many people who would support him. I, I think that that's the most important thing in all this. We all know he can play the game, but can he get along with his teammates? And one guy, we all know this, one guy can ruin a dressing room. That's right. One Absolutely. Guy. Well, Correct. we know that. That's an, that, that's, and that's the point. Because the truth of the matter is, Evander Kane could play for every one of these, every team in the National Hockey League. I, name a team that that would say, I don't want a, a 30 goal scoring winger. If you take all the other crap away, every team in the NHL and the cap situation, take all that away as a player, every team wants them. Well, I, sus I, suspect that, I suspect that I suspect that Winnipeg and Buffalo would already vote. No. Should we so. talk? Uh, should we talk about Tony D'Angelo? Um, if we do, you're going to have about one minute to do so. Do you want to, do you want to do an John, oration? John, how's he, how's he doing in, Carolina. He's fit in perfectly. Uh, uh, how do you do in right. New York? How do you do in New York? He had a few issues, Dave. <laughs> he had mean, a is, few that, is that a decent comparison? That's a better comparison. That's a better comparison. I mean, he, you know, that's a team at the top of the league and he's on the right point in the power play. Yeah. I don't know how he's getting along with his teammates, but he looks pretty good on the ice. And there was nobody that I heard that said, uh, Carolina, you know, that's a, that's a good, that's a good idea to get Tony D'Angelo. I mean, when New York said, get out of town, it seemed like it was saying, get out. I don't of think anything. I, I, I don't think anything with D'Angelo in New York had to do with actually playing the game. So sometimes so, and the, the culture in a dressing room or the culture that comes from the GM or the coach can take a guy who has a problem, invite him into their environment and, and, and lessen whatever it was he was a problem being anywhere else. Wow. We see that 
we see that sometimes, but when you, you're on the extreme end, and I believe that's what we're talking about with Kane. We're not talking about one incident or two incidents or three incidents. We're talking about years of incidents. When you, when you, when you have that, I don't know if, if there's any team in any environment strong enough to take him in and, and have him be productive. In, in, and by productive, I mean on the ice and, and fitting in and not messing right. up his team. Uh, we'll have to continue this conversation at another time, um, or perhaps, and more likely, um, Evander Kane's future will be determined by the next time we all sit together and um, we'll maybe be reflective of it and not trying to figure out where he's going to land. Uh, gentlemen, always fun, always fascinating. Thank you so much for your time. Um, we wish you well, Steve. Say out of the sun, pal. I know, you know, or put that uh, that SPF fifty, SPF fifty. That's right. Yeah, at least. Boy, and, uh, boy, we're 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 envious, Steve. We really are, because it's cold here. Did you know that? I guess you. Did. Uh, yes, I <laughs> yeah. get texts from my kids every day. Southern Ontario <laughs> in the wintertime does tend to be a little chilly. Weather reports. Uh, thank you, boys. We'll talk to you again. That's Dave Hodge, Steve Simmons. John and I will come back and wrap it after these messages. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. McCown and Shannon back with you. Our thanks, of course, to Dave Hodge and Steve Simmons uh, for uh, being with us. Um, a um, frisky conversation today. With it always is with those two, those two guys. What do you make of the Djokovic situation? Should he be allowed would you allow him to play in Australia? I mean, as we record this, and I think everybody understands, we record this earlier in the day than you would listen to it, whether it's on Sirius or as a podcast. But as of this moment in time, he's been cleared to play in the Australian Open. He's still in Melbourne or wherever the yeah. heck he was. He's practicing now, Bob. Yeah. But it is still possible that the government could kick him out and shut him down and not let him play. What's the right answer here? Well, I mean, you know, the government of Australia has created a rule in order to travel to Australia, you have to be fully vaccinated. Correct. And he's not. Period. End of story. He's had no vaccinations. Um. And so I and yet part of the contention, though, John, is not to interrupt you, but part of the contention is he allegedly had COVID a month ago. Well, he admitted that he did. He admitted that he did. Yeah. Well, admitted or proclaimed that he did as a um, an alternative to, well, I haven't gotten the vaccine, but I had COVID. So I'm now immune. I mean, that is his case. That by having COVID. The likelihood of getting it again four weeks later, well, what do we know, really, but seems to be next to nothing. Therefore, he should be safe. And it was under that premise that the yeah. latest hearing was held and that he was allowed to stay in the country. Yeah. 
and, and now the government is going through his visa application and uh, the, uh, the insinuation is they, they think he's made a mistake on the visa. Uh, and if he's lied at any time during the visa application, they're gonna revoke it. But that still hasn't, hasn't decided. Uh, well, what's the lie? Listen, do we know what the I, lie we is? Don't know, we, don't, we don't know what it is yet. We don't know, but the, the immigration- maybe, maybe the lie, John, maybe the lie is I had COVID last month. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? I mean, if I the just, guy, was, let me put it to you this way. If the guy hasn't, hasn't had the vaccine, would he yeah. be likely to take the test to make sure he had COVID? Probably, yeah. Probably. I don't think he would. Oh, Why you would don't. He? Well, he, I, I mean, I, if he, it, he, he, he hasn't had it, he hasn't had the vaccine because he probably doesn't yeah. believe in it. He thinks it's a complete hoax. And so he gets sick, allegedly. Yeah. I, you know, how does he know? Did he, then he did then go and go, oh my God, I got, I had COVID. Yeah. The double standard is, it, the double standard is double standard, Bob. I mean, you, you can't, you shouldn't have a double standard. We don't, like in our country between Canada and the United States, there's no double standard. If you're not vaccinated, you can't cross the border. John, I agree. I'm, I'm with you. you know, and so I just, I just don't, I don't understand how the Australian Tennis Federation, how the Australian Open, how certain people in, in places of authority have allowed this to happen. Because if I live in Melbourne or Sydney or Perth, and and I'm and 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 I wanted to I wanted a non-vaccinated friend to come into the country to visit me. They should be able to do that now, based on what the Djokovic issue and ruling has I occurred. Uh, we run out of time. We'll, uh, you know, eventually they'll make some kind of final ruling, I guess, and we'll we'll uh, chat about it at that point. Again, thanks to Hodge and Simmons for uh, joining us. For John Shannon, Bob McCown, we're out of time. See you tomorrow, everybody. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.